And now, from the News Hub studios in Auckland, it's time for the Fight Club podcast. Hello, guys. Welcome into Fight Club. This is Brad Lewis, and joining me, as always, is Stephen Foote. Stephen, hello. Kia ora, Brad. Uh, you look like you packed on a few pounds in the last couple of days. Oh, well, we, I thought we were talking about the heavyweight division. You know, I'm, I'm training. I'm always in training. The key is to never, you don't have to get in shape if you're never out of shape, and that's the mantra I try to live by. Well, I'm never in shape, so... Well, yeah, yeah. You got an out there. Yeah, I do. Mm. I do. All right. So, uh, yep, uh, plenty of ham and turkey and pork eaten in the last couple of days. But that's what we're not here. That's what we're not here to talk about. We're here to talk about <laughs> fighting. Uh, and coming up on the show very shortly is one of the top MMA journalists in the uh, the huge big world that we call combat sports. Uh, John Morgan out of MMA Junkie, the icon, the icon, the blue shirted warrior. We'll actually ask him about where that blue polo comes from. I'm sure there's a cool story around that. He's the guy you always see cage side. Uh, busily typing away doing live updates for MMA Junkie during their fight coverage. So he's on the show very shortly talking about all the fallout from the last week uh, in Las Vegas around the um, the transfer the transference, I guess you'd say, of uh, UFC 232, which is now going to be staged in, in Los Angeles. It was to be in Vegas, uh, but basically John Jones couldn't get licensed. So we'll um, cover that off in full. And uh, then later on in the show, me and Footy will uh, have a quick look at the John Jones fight as well. And then uh, recap a pretty uh, big fight in the heavyweight boxing division where Derek Chisora was knocked out by Dillian White. What does that mean for Joseph Parker? What does that mean for the heavyweight division. But up next on the Fight Club podcast, we'll welcome in out of his home in Las Vegas, John Morgan. The Fight Club podcast, the big names. Just a couple of days ago, MMA junkies John Morgan thought he'd be able to balance a busy work week with some family time at home in Las Vegas. But thanks to John Jones, nothing is ever that easy in the world of the UFC. Time now on Fight Club to welcome into the show from his home in Las Vegas, John Morgan. A Merry Christmas to you, John. <laughs> Thank you, brother. You hit the nail on the head, man. Things took a uh, decided U-turn this week. Mate, just crazy. And off the top of your head, I don't think there's been a precedent set this late in the piece in terms of shifting venue seven or seven days or so out from one of the biggest fights of the year. No, not in the modern history of the sport. I mean, there's there's the famous story from back at UFC 12 that the UFC actually did a documentary on where you know they were forced to move the show in 24 hours. But this is back in, in an age when you know, you were you were having, uh, you know, legal issues and, and, and ramifications and, you know, governments coming down on you and saying that the sport shouldn't even be sanctioned. So uh, something like this, no, it's it, it's it's just about unprecedented. And look, just um, for, for those who haven't heard, just catch people up sort of on, on when everything sort of sort of to, all the dominoes sort of fell in, into place and when you heard about what was happening. Yeah, listen, it was crazy. You know, I was actually kind of hanging out at home this this past Sunday and, and got a call from uh, from Dana White. Said, listen, uh, you know, we've we've got something that you're going to want to hear uh, if you're in, you know if you're around. And and uh, he's like, you know, we, we're kind of going to end up ruining your Christmas, but here's what's going on. <laughs> so we we made our way to the corporate office. Myself and Kevin Ioli from Yahoo Sports were there, uh, and he kind of laid out what happened. And essentially, what happened. Uh, was John Jones uh, had a drug test that showed uh, what's being called an atypical result. Essentially, there was some findings uh, of, of uh, you know, something in there that shouldn't be there. However, uh, once everybody kind of reviewed the documents and reviewed the, 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 the levels and all that, it was determined that what was being found was what was called uh, something of a pulsing effect, which is something that kind of sit dormant in your system a little bit and then show back up after some time due to some kind of abnormalities to the substances and that sort of thing. So uh, basically what they said is this is the substance he already got pop positive for that he proclaimed innocence for, and this would be a situation where it's double jeopardy. Well, 
being the holidays, Nevada, where the, the fight was supposed to take place here in, in Las Vegas, she said, listen, we're not saying you're right. We're not saying you're wrong. But what we are saying is we don't have time to review it. We don't have time to really look at it. Our commissioners aren't even in town right now. There's no way we can sanction this fight in this time. And uh, California, who had just been dealing with all this stuff with John Jones and his previous suspension, said, you know what? We are very, very familiar with the case. We've reviewed all the documents, and we think your finding is right. And you know what? If, if you want to do this, the fight here, we'll do the fight here. And therefore, the UFC decided to move the entire card <laughs> in one week's notice. Just a crazy situation, John. And, and you could you could almost picture the Daniel Cormier eye roll when he, hear, when he hears that news and Alex Gustafsson, his opponent for this weekend as well. And one question I want to ask you, and, and um, you obviously were one of the first people, I think John Jones contacted you with his response to the, how the whole situation played out. But look, John Jones is very active on social media. And I think personally he gets himself into a bit of trouble and paints himself into a corner and I wonder if there's a little bit of insecurity in John Jones with the way that his career has gone um, you know well I beat you the last time clean yeah but you, were you clean John you know like that's that's the thing is uh there seems to be a little bit of insecurity there especially when John Jones and social media come into play yeah you know it's, it's tough and I think he's it's, it's something that I've watched his whole career you know he won the championship at such a young age and you were like man how does a guy this young you know, get used to the spotlight and get used to the millions of dollars and how it will affect them and how will he change. And, and I don't know that we ever really saw the change. And so, you know, you talk about it. He seems to say that he doesn't care what people think. But then, as you said, he goes on social media and tries to explain himself and he interacts with people. And it's a weird situation to be in. You know, he, he, he says, without a doubt, I vehemently die, you know, say that I am not a cheater, you know. But at the same time, I mean, this is the third time now that something has shown up in his system. And, you know, if it's just that he's careless, if it's just that he's unlucky, it's just hard to believe it. You know, I, I tend to think he's the greatest to ever do this sport, uh, but he's missed so much time. And, and I don't see how you don't put an asterisk next to his name. And yeah. as you said, I mean, if you're a Daniel Cormier, your greatest rival, how do you not roll your eyes a little bit? You know, if you're Alexander Gustin a week out from a fight, how are you not frustrated? So it's a, it's a bizarre situation around John Jones that I don't think will, to be honest with you, I don't think it'll ever clear up. And, and look, from your perspective as, as someone who'll be heading out to the fight and the other journalists in, in the U.S. and from around the world, he wins that fight against Alex Gustafsson. The, the first three or four questions aren't going to be based on the fight. I can imagine they're going to be, are you worried about what the next few days are going to co come to bring with you with your post-fight drug test? You have to. You have to at this point. It's so, it's so sad. I mean, again, the guy proclaims innocence, but it doesn't happen to anybody else. You know, Daniel Cormier, for instance, you know, he's been in the USADA program for years. Yeah. As a member of the U.S. Olympic wrestling team, he's never had some kind of you know error or some you know issue pop up. So it's it's just one of the weirdest things, and I, I don't think that John Jones needs to cheat, to be honest with you. But uh, it's you can't you can't just look away at what's been happening. Yeah, look, I just wonder if, uh, you know, we're speculating here, but I wonder if the pressure of that, that sort of feud with Daniel Cormier drove him to the point where he just knew he had to win that fight. You know, he's an alpha. You know, Daniel Cormier's talked about how two alphas can't exist in one weight division. And look, I I'm speculating here, but, you know, as I said, I just feel there's a little bit of insecurity in John. No, and that's fair. And you know what? If that was the case, I wish you would come out and just say that, man. I, I think people are so forgiving that. You know, I, I think back. Remember when Anderson Silva popped positive? Yes. You know, after after he had his leg broken, you know, after he had his winning streak broken, as he was nearing 40 years old. I mean, if there was ever a time that you could sit in front of a court of law or in front of an athletic commission and say, listen, I'm sorry. I've never cheated before. I'll never cheat again. I cheated this one time because I was coming back from a broken leg. You know, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I was 
concerned that maybe I don't have it anymore and somebody offered me this and I wish I hadn't done it, but I did it. What human being on earth wouldn't go, yeah, yeah, I, hear, I, I see where you're coming from. You know, like you shouldn't have done it, but I see where you're coming from. And so yeah, I think that's what's so hard to hear. If, if, if he has done this, you would love to see him just kind of own up to it and say yes, you know, and, and own it. Uh, John, I was uh, on MMA Junkie a couple of days ago, and uh, you guys had a great article on there about John Jones talking about wanting to win back the fans that he believes he's lost. But I want to add a different narrative to this, John. I think, uh, to, to, to uh, quote a wrestling phrase here, I think he needs to become a fully-fledged heel. He needs to embrace that <laughs> role because... Uh, he's fighting a very popular fighter in Alex Gustafsson who is a traditional mixed martial artist. He he follows the values of mixed martial arts. He's very humble. And, and I think Jones is going to get booed out of the building this week. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I, I, I don't hate that idea at all. You know, I mean, listen, mixed martial arts is different than professional wrestling, but there's no question about it that in, in terms of promotional tactics and things along those lines, uh, there's things that can be borrowed from either sport. So, yeah, you know what? Just play in the role of villain. Just say to hell with it because you're right. You know, with, with Alex, with DC, John Jones is never going to be looked at as the good guy. I don't care how long he fights. Uh, I don't care how long he stays clean. I don't care how long he doesn't have any problems. He's just never going to be seen as the good guy against people like that. So I think you're right. You know, I think there's nothing wrong with just, you know what, man, walk out and start yelling and flip the crowd off if you want. Yes. I don't know, man. Just I, I agree with you to agree. Just just go full heel. Absolutely. Look, let's shift to the fight. And and uh, Gustafsson Jones won, in my opinion, John, was the greatest light heavyweight fight I've ever seen. Uh, it was it was an unexpected performance against a guy who at that time was looked on as unbeatable. And a lot of people think Alex won that fight. I'm not sure how you scored it um, on the night when you were cage side. But um, personally, having watched that fight again, I think the uh, I think it was the fourth round or the third round was the swing round that could have gone either way and most judges lean towards Jones on that one but an amazing fight but it's a long time ago and we and neither of these two guys are particularly active so do we know really what's going to happen this weekend that's what's intriguing about it. I mean you're right it was a phenomenal fight I did score it just barely for John Jones the first time around but I've gone back and watched it since and as you said man that fight's just so close I, 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 that night and since I wouldn't have had a problem with it going either way um, it, it is interesting because, you know, you look at John Jones, you say, oh, all the layoffs with all the issues. But, yeah, then you look at Alex's records, and he hasn't been fought much more frequently either. So I think that kind of cancels each other out a little bit. Uh, I, I will say that, you know, Alex has been in Vegas for a couple of weeks. We saw him last week at a media day that was held at the USC Performance Institute. And I will say mentally, physically, man, it just looks good, focused, determined. Uh, different than I've ever seen. There's just a little a little edge about him that I haven't seen in previous appearances, which I'm I'm pretty excited about. And you talk to his training partners, and they say, "Listen, he's he's refined, he's on point." Then you have John Jones, you know, who's uh, flying out to deal with athletic commissions the week of the, of the fight, trying to deal with this. Certainly, these last couple days, you know, once the press conference happens, the interviews start. I mean, people are going to be asking him about it, and 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 he's going to have to deal with it. And, and the fans are upset. You know, there's a lot of people that can't afford to just all of a sudden, you know, take a trip that they had planned in Vegas and move it to LA instead. Yeah. So I think if ever there was a day that Alexander Gustafson can pull off the upset, it's 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 this weekend. It's this Saturday. I think, you know, the stars kind of align. Everything he could want to happen is happening. That said, I don't know how you pick against John Jones. It's tough. It's so tough. And yeah, uh, you know, he he says he didn't train much before that first fight. And you talk to the people around him and say, look, that is not an excuse. The guy was just not mentally there. He was not. He was not focused. So uh, we'll see. I, I think. I think it, it could potentially be 
a massive upset, but it is hard to pick against John Jones. And, and again, I sway that way as well, John, because if you look at Gus's record, the three biggest fights of his career, he's lost. And that's the Anthony yep. Johnson fight, the John Jones fight, and the Daniel Cormier fight, which again was razor close. The only convincing loss out of those three was when Johnson knocked him out. Um, I think it was in Stockholm, wasn't it? And, that's, right. Uh, that's right. Yeah, so uh, look, that, that for me, and John Jones has kind of alluded to that on Twitter in recent times, that you don't, you can't win the big one. That's what it feels like. I mean, Alex has kind of always sat there right behind that, that top tier of guys and always come up just short in the, in the biggest moments of his career. Uh, but I will say, like I said, there's something about him this week, man. There's something about this little edge. There's something about this little determination. And all this stuff that's happening now is making it even more personal for him and making him even more honed in. So, uh, you know, I think if there was ever a time and a night to do it, it's this Saturday night. It's just, it's hard to think against John Jones. I, I think he's the greatest of all time. We're talking to MMA junkies John Morgan here on Fight Club. Hey, John, I want to move on in a little bit, but regardless of this result, do you think this could be Jones's last fight at 205? It's interesting. I think it's going to depend what's out there. I mean, uh, Daniel Cormier has kind of teased the fact that he'd like to fight him again, but he wants to do it at 205. And of course, John would stay down at 205 for that. I, I, I like the idea if they were going to, to have that fight again of doing it at heavyweight. Yeah. You know, get, letting Daniel Cormier be a little bit more healthy. Let him let him see if you know perhaps the fight plays out a little bit different at heavyweight. Um, we'll see what's out there. I, I I don't see any big fights at 205 for John Jones. He necessarily feels he has to stick around for. Uh, so it very well could be. Uh, and just quickly on a sidetrack to that, Luke Rockhold mentioning this week that he's going up a division to a, to 205. He's had his struggles in recent time, but we've seen fighters in the past like revolutionize themselves by jumping up weight classes. You know, in, in the past, do you think that Luke Rockhold could become a factor in the in the heavier weight class? Hey, look no further than Robert Whitaker as the man that yep. leads that charge, right? I mean, a guy that I thought when he moved up, I said, what is this kid doing, man? He's going to get murdered in that weight class. And whoops, guess I was a little <laughs> wrong with that. Yeah, I think people are finding that when you don't put your body through that calorie deficiency, through that dehydration, through the difficulties of the weight cut, you end up uh, not only feeling better on fight night, but just your whole life isn't about dieting. You know, Your whole life isn't about making a number. Uh, it's about being in great athletic uh, shape and, and great performance. And Luke Rockhold is a big dude, yeah. man. I, I always kind of wondered how he got down to 185. So, yeah, I think that could be a good move for him. And a fight that's kind of snuck up on us, John, is the co-main event. Chris Cyborg, who for me is one of the best pound-for-pound -pound MMA practitioners on the planet against someone else who could be put into that category in Amanda Nunez. This is probably the most exciting women's MMA fight since, I, I guess, maybe Rousey Tate in the UFC. I would agree. This is one of the biggest ever. I mean, you know, that was probably the biggest of all time. You know, you go back to, to Cyborg Carano years ago for, for another, you know, battle of big names or whatever. But this is big. And, you know, I don't know if Amanda Nunes is as big as a superstar as like a Carano or a Rousey. And maybe that's why, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem quite as big. Or like you said, it's kind of snuck up on us a little bit because I feel it has. But this is a legitimate women's super fight. I mean, this is two reigning champions. Of course, Chris Cyborg. They basically created a division for her because she's been such a dominant champion for so long. But Amanda Nunes is legit at 135 pounds. And just like we were talking about with Rockhold, she has struggled to make 135. It is not pretty to see her on fight week and what it takes for her to get down to 135. So, you know, seeing her in the build-up to this fight and being at 145, she just looks so much more comfortable, so much, excuse me, more healthy. And, and she looks like the type of person that has the power and the technique to match Chris Cyborg. So, you know, it's, it's very much to me a similar situation to the main event, which, I, which is why I do find these two fights so intriguing. I mean, Chris Cyborg 
is probably the greatest woman of all time. I mean, to me, there's there's really very little question about it. I mean, she has been a dominant champion for years and years and years. So picking against her just seems like pure madness. But if there was somebody that could do it, it would be Amanda Nunes. It would be you know somebody that brings that kind of power to the table. That isn't afraid to stay in the pocket and trade. That can deliver concussive blows back to you. Uh, and and I, I think this is going to be an exciting fight. And I guess if you're the New Year's camp, you just need to look at Holly Holmes' performance against Cyborg, where she lasted five rounds. She had a little bit of success. She doesn't have the power that Nunez has. So from a technical standpoint, if they can match what Holly did in the stand-up, they know that Nunez has fight-stopping power to back up her technical ability. That's it. I think there's a clear path to victory for both these fighters. And the great, the great thing about it is, um, you know, I think that path is, is exciting either way. I think it's going to be fun to watch. So I, th- I think this is going to be an intriguing fight. You know, what happens, what happens when Chris Cyborg comes out there and can't bully Amanda Nunes? You know, does, she, does, does it cause her to wilt a little bit? We'll see. And uh, I, I think it's an intriguing fight. It's a legit, like I said, a legit women's super fight. All right, a couple questions to wrap, John. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, look, let's just shift, shift to a New Zealand angle here. You've watched a lot of fights in your time. You've seen a lot of brave performances. Uh, Dan Hooker made news in not only New Zealand, but uh, the rest of the world with his uh, losing performance against Edson Barboza, but more so his toughness. And we had uh, New Zealand MMA fighter Nyrene Crowley on the show last week, and she said she's never been more proud to be a Kiwi from that performance. What's the reaction been like in terms of where Hooker's career is at now? Can he, is this sort of like, can he sort of bounce back from, from a loss like that almost more positively than a, than a win in a way because of how tough he fought? No question about it. It's one of those rare circumstances. You know, I've, I've been a big fan of Dan Hooker and his whole rise up the UFC. I think he's put on great fights from the moment he came to the UFC. And for whatever reason, you know, maybe it was because a lot of his fights were happening overseas, whatever it was. He, I don't think he was resonating with the, with the U.S. market the way I thought he should based on his talent level, man. I, you know, I, I thought he was a real skilled guy. And I'm telling you, the kid has been all the buzz afterwards where everybody just says, that dude is tough. And yes, I think it's one of those rare instances where, of course, a win would have done great for you. Of course, a win helps. But it's one of those ones that, you know, they just kind of live in your memory banks. And, and if he wins a few more, he loses a few more. You might not remember exactly what that streak is. But, you know, you remember that name and you think, damn, I remember how tough that guy was. I'll watch him fight. That's for sure. So, yeah, honestly, I know, it's, I know it wasn't a fun night for him to deal with, but he showed his heart. And uh, and I think he'll he'll reap the benefits of that. And uh, f- a couple of questions to wrap. Finally, staying with City Kickboxing, that that team which actually went nine and one on the year in the UFC, which is a very impressive record for a, a little camp here in New Zealand. Uh, Israel Adesanya is creating waves in New Zealand. I know he's creating waves your side of the world, but I want to get kind of like a an unbiased opinion here from a from a you know an American based MMA journalist. Is Israel Adesanya the next big thing if he can beat Anderson Silva? He absolutely is. There's no question about it. You know, I I, uh, I had seen the kickboxing highlights, and uh, you know, I was I was impressed, and and I wanted to see how it transferred into the UFC when he was facing top level competition. And every step of the way, I've been impressed by what we've seen. Uh, you know, the, I've I've really been enjoyed uh, watching him handle media and just in the interviews. I mean, because that's what it takes. It's not just fighting skill, right? I mean, as we said, you know, this is not pro wrestling, but it does take some sporting entertainment aspects to it. And you do have to have some personality. You do, you do have to have you know, a, a little swagger about you. And he's got it in spades, man. I, I, I think the guy is the real deal. I love this matchup with Anderson Silva. I know it's a tough one for Anderson, but look, Anderson gets paid a lot of money at this point in his career. And I don't know that there's a lot of fights that make sense. Um, at some point, you know, you, you got to maybe be a part of seeing if these young guys are the real deal. Stylistically, it should be 
incredibly entertaining. And uh, yes, if Adesanya wins, I, I think his star is, is really going to blow up. It feels, John, like a fight Israel should win or at least be comfortable because he doesn't have to worry about the takedown. But in saying that, if Anderson Silva's fighting a stand-up fight, then he's in that same boat. Do you Are you leaning either way uh, when it comes to that matchup? No, I agree with you. To me, it seems like a fight Israel Adesanya should win. I mean, he's the younger guy. I think, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of a newer version of, of Anderson Silva, so to speak. I mean, it's not quite that simple, but you want to break it down to easy terms. But it's still Anderson Silva, and I think that's what you have to be careful with. I mean, this is not a guy who's shop-worn because he's been through so many battles that, you know, you're not even sure what kind of guy you're going to get in the cage. Like, no, you're, you're going to get somebody dangerous in there. And, you know, Anderson's tactics sometimes can be questioned, but um, matching strike for strike, I just think the Adesanya, as long as he doesn't get complacent, as long as he doesn't get cocky, as long as he remains laser-focused, as long as he remains understanding that this is a dangerous person on the other side of the cage, even if this is not 100% vintage Anderson Silva, it's still a very dangerous human being, and I have to be aware of my surroundings at all times. As long as he remains razor-focused like that, I, I think he'll be he'll see through to victory. All right, final question, uh, John. A little bit tongue-in-cheek here, but I've, I've got to ask, and for those who don't know, when you're watching the UFC, uh, you can get a peek at John Morgan very often behind one of the cameras. He's in the blue shirt in the front row. <laughs> Where did the blue T-shirt come from? How did this come about, the polo, the blue polo? Yeah, you know, it's funny, man. I just One night, I just happened to, uh, I happened to put on a blue shirt, and uh, I mean, I, I do have some blue shirts in the closet. <laughs> I like the color. But that night, uh, my wife sent me a picture of my infant son uh, touching the TV when, when the camera happened to be in a position that I was at. And, and I said from that night forward, uh, I'll wear a blue shirt no matter where I am so that my son, uh, even if I'm gone all week, can, can turn on the TV on fight night. And he can find daddy wherever I am in the world. That's awesome, mate. All right, and are you heading to Melbourne for uh, UFC in February? I am. I, I don't have my flights booked yet, but I need to get that done, and I'm looking forward to getting out there, man. I think that's going to be a great one. All right, uh, Fight Club uh, podcast co-host Stephen Foote will be there, John, so I'll get him to catch up with you guys, can chew the fat a little bit. I love it. Let's do it. All right, mate. Thank you so much for your time here on Fight Club, John. Thank you, brother. There you have it, guys. So, footy, uh, the blue polo, uh, basically because his son pointed him out on the television. That's pretty cool. How good? How good is that? Yeah. yeah you couldn't ask for a better story than that. F- fair enough. Keep rocking the blue. Uh, when we went to uh, the UFC in Auckland last year, um, when me, you, you, me and yourself were there, uh, cage side, um, my partner was watching the card with my son. My, he was like three or two at the time, and he pointed out Daddy on the television because there was a couple of wide shots where you could see Brad sitting in the front row, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, so. you, weren't you next to John? I was. I yeah, was, I there was, you go. Yeah, I was hogging that TV time next to John Morgan <laughs> in, in the front. But uh, that was a privilege, and you couldn't get a better analyst of, of mixed martial arts in my opinion, you know, himself, John and Ariel Hawani, for me, are the two num- the number one and number two when it comes to, to journalists and, and MMA. You know, you've got Brett Okamoto as well, who's very, very good. There's a lot of very good uh, journalists in, in the States, but John's just on the money and his contacts. As he said in that interview, Dana White just gave him a call and said, hey, man, you're going to want to hear what I've got to say. Yeah, he's not too many more connected than old um, MMA junkie John. So, yeah, real cool to get him on the show. And always just goes deep. You love it. Great yeah. analysis. And so, you know, he talked a bit about the John Jones fight. Where do you sit on this? Where do you sit with what? Did, what did we call it the other day? We called it a speck of sand in a swimming pool. I think was what <laughs> that, he was saying to Daniel Cormier. Was that Novitsky's description? Yeah, Novitsky. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one. I mean, as when you look at the way you start to analyze it, and I've come up with that sort of analogy, and it does seem like it was legitimately a leftover sort of remnant from the 2017 failed test. 
But, you know, for, for the legion of John Jones haters, the growing legion of John Jones haters out there and people who are just becoming a little bit fatigued with his and, and growing weary with his whole sideshow, I mean, this is just another reason to jump on um, and sort of beat him up, isn't it? And the it, hater wagon. Exactly. And I mean, I kind of think he's, he's I, as I say, I think I feel like he's in the right here. He hasn't done too much wrong. But, you know, the whole way he's dealt with it coming out afterwards, you know, sort of, you know, some really questionable bag. tweets, some really questionable tweets. Yeah. I mean, he asked someone to, he, he said, what, what song should I walk out to? And obviously yeah. that's just a slew of, you know, Oops, Oops, I Did It Again <laughs> by Britney Spears. And it's just like, you know, someone's going to be giving some bad advice to sit down and, and just focus yeah. on the fight. And as I said to John in that fight, I sense there's a, there's a massive amount of insecurity around John. I honestly think that I think he's very insecure about his public image, the way that he 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 uh he handles himself and what have you and the way that his career is going to be looked upon look he as john morgan rightfully said he is the greatest mixed martial artist of all time i think that's you know clean yes um doesn't need to cheat never needed to cheat didn't need to do it uh and you know has been caught out and you know i see him throwing shade at gustafson saying you know like oh i wasn't clean oh, i was clean the last time i beat you so you know whatever but dude the fact is is that you've pissed hot twice and been caught in the two biggest fights of your career ufc 200 when he ruined that card which ended up being what misha tate and amanda nunez in the main event um you know brock lesnar versus Mark Hunt. That was supposed to be the Jones-Cormier main event that we'd all wanted to see. And then he does it, you know, post um, what was supposed to be his redemption. Uh, you know, and as I, I've said to you in the past, I was willing to jump on the John Jones bandwagon at that point and embrace him and say, I want to support this man because I am watching greatness. And he comes out afterwards, this is not about me. I want to become a better human. Daniel Cormier is a great champion. I want to be like Daniel Cormier. Then three weeks later, done for drugs, and then starts doing his bloody... I hate you, Daniel Cormier, you're a little bitch campaign. Like, it's just, who are you, dude? And as I said to John Morgan, he needs to embrace the heel. Because you are a heel, John Jones. You are not a baby face. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, fe I felt like he kind of started veering that way in his last fight. And it, that's, that's precisely what he needs to do. And I mean, you know, he's... Not, not to mention all the logistical nightmare that's going into this in terms of moving it to another location. Um, all the fans who have travelled, you know, especially all the Swedish fans who are coming over yeah. from Sweden, you know, relocating hotel rooms. All the fighters, you know, we've got um, Alexander Volkanovsky, Anzac fighter who's been he's been doing his camp at City Kickboxing. They've had to relocate at the last minute, so it's been a real brutal sort of turn of events. But on the other hand, I can't. I mean, I'm just happy that that fight's still on the card, to be honest. And I mean, you know, and. Perhaps if it wasn't anything other than the the marquee New Year's card, they might have looked at just relocating or moving that fight back to March. In the latest uh, USC Embedded, actually Dana actually asked Gustafsson if he wants to move it to March. And he said he's he's actually just sticks with it and said no, let's let's go with it. Let's move to Los Angeles right. because obviously there's a ready made main event there in terms of New Year's versus Cyborg. Correct. I mean that's more than worthy of a main event. Probably the biggest women's mixed martial art matchup of all time. Exactly, but yeah. I mean how would that have looked if another John Jones car fight had been pulled off a card? So. Yeah, a really and, horrible turn of events. And look, there's this narrative around Conor McGregor that he can do anything he wants and he will never get fired. Well, look, I'm sorry, but John Jones also falls into that category because if this was any other human being apart from Conor McGregor, he probably wouldn't have a job. He's literally had like 
Like he's had three at bats and he struck out all three times. <laughs> like it's not just three strikeouts; it's three at bats and he struck out three times. So, yeah, look, uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah, it gets I, you heated, doesn't it, Brad? That John Jones stuff. It does because, like I said, Footy, I really wanted to embrace who John Jones had become. I'm just going to turn my phone down. I apologize, people, for that. Uh, and but yeah, it's I just don't like the person that he is on Twitter and the way that he stands on a pedestal and talks down to Daniel Cormier, who was you know he's never cheated in his life. You can't tell me Cormier has ever been on roids. That dude is too much of a sportsman, too much of an athlete to ever consider that. And you know, like, and then he was, and John Jones is all high and mighty at one point about fighting a roided up Vitor Balfort and said, you know, I should take the UFC to court for having to fight this guy, you know, who was roided through the eyeballs. And then he, you know, how many times has he done it? You know, and, and you look at his physique, it's changed a lot over the course of his career. It has, it has. And I mean, I've been, I've long been a, a John Jones apologist, a, a sympathizer, if you will. And I mean, you know, I've, I've been pretty quiet the last week, that's for sure. I mean, I'm not trying to come to anyone's defense. As I said, I still think John is in the right here. I don't think yep. he did anything nefarious. But um, yeah, it's just, a, it's just another sort of straw, perhaps that it might have actually broken the donkey's back. And I mean, when he walks out there in Los Angeles, he's not going to be up just against Gustafsson. There's going to be a whole staple center there roaring against him Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. It's going to be choice. Uh, so who wins the fight? <laughs> Jones. Jones wins. Stoppage decision. How do you see it playing out? Man. I mean, he's, he's had such a long break. I mean, but so is Gus. So is Gus. That's I mean, the thing. John it, it, hasn't finished a lot of fights recently, or he hasn't even fought a lot recently. I, I'm, I'm leaning towards a, jo- a Jones by decision, um, but I feel like it'll be pretty comprehensive. Hmm. I'm I'm not sold on it being comprehensive. I think John Jones will win this fight, but I don't. I think it's going to be just as close as the first one. Alex Gustafsson is the elite. Uh, you know, he's he's like, you know, you've got your A plus plus and John Jones and Daniel Cormier, and then Alex Gustafsson is A plus, like he's that good. So I think it'll be a very very good fight, but I think John Jones will come out on top. And I've also got Cyborg um, destroying Amanda Nunez. Cyborg all the way, Cyborg all the way. I'm looking forward to seeing her be actually being confronted by someone who sort of almost matches her physically. I mean, yeah. you know, Nunez is going to come forward. She's going to bring it to Cyborg. I don't think anyone's really done that to Cyborg since she's been in the UFC. So it'll be interesting to see how she. Um, retaliates to that and works off that maybe New Year's looks to take it to the ground a bit mm. but um, I'm intrigued I think that's a great fight uh, just quickly a fight that snuck up to, to us and you pointed out yesterday Michael Chiesa and Carlos Condit is, uh, is the Condit. I guess the third fight on that card that's, when was the last time we saw Condit it yeah, seems, he, seems like an eternity I think he lost to Jorge Masvidal maybe that's, yeah, yeah you know that yeah, rings a bell he, that was a huge break before that too yeah, wasn't it yeah he's, um, he's, he's all, he contemplated nightmare. retirement after losing to Robbie Lawler mm. for the title but I love the natural born killer so watch out for that fight should be a great one live up Updates, newshub.co.nz. I've just reminded myself I must book the pay-per-view for Newshub so we can do live updates. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you if you want to watch that card, Sky Arena, uh, book it. Um, it's it's well worth the money. It's going to be a great card. Boxing footy. Uh, I'm sure you caught up with Derek Chisora and Dillian White. Uh, another tremendous mm-hmm. fight. They had a great first fight about 18 months ago. Uh, this time, though, <clears throat> Dillian White getting the stoppage, although there is an asterisk there. He was actually behind on the judges' scorecards. Two judges had... Derek Chisora up by one round despite the two points off and the other judge had this fight scored even. Wow, that's it's really surprising to me. I mean, yeah, I, I, it was kind of back and forth, I thought, for about the first six rounds. Um, Chisora tired a little bit after that. I think he was eating some pretty big body shots there mm. from Dillian White. Um, but fantastic fight. Just another great heavyweight bout. We've seen so many this year. And, 
Yeah, it gives a bit of context, doesn't it? I feel like to Joseph Parker's efforts against Absolutely. guys like Dillian White. I mean, a lot of people have been down on Joseph because of his two losses there. In hindsight, probably too big a step um, sort of to the side in terms of going from Joshua and then straight into Dillian White. That was a risk. They knew that was a big risk and it obviously didn't pay off. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he's still right up there. I mean, he, he, he as you said, um, he pushed Dillian White all the way. Looked like he could have won the finish that fight in the last 30 seconds. Yeah, it was look, all had, over him. Put th- him on the canvas. Yeah, with 30 seconds to go, White's on his ass, but manages to get up and, you know, survives the last 30 seconds. That fight goes another minute. I think Joseph probably finishes him. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, the end of the Chisora fight, it's just one a very emphatic knockout, wasn't it? I absolutely. mean, beautifully disguised left and thunderous stuff. Yeah. So Dillian White now can almost pick his fight. He's number one ranked in WBO and WBC, so he's the mandatory for both Deontay Wilder's title and one of Anthony Joshua's. Uh, basically, how this is all going to play out is I think the, the first domino that needs to roll is if the Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder uh rematch goes ahead which is what the um, organizations have ordered but the fly in the ointment to that and Anthony Joshua alluded to it in, in, in the ring at the end of that fight is if somehow Eddie Hearn um, and Charlie Finkel can get together and organize this Deontay Wilder uh, Anthony Joshua fight because if that goes ahead it um, proceeds has precedent basically over a uh, Dillian White Anthony Joshua fight but I kind of feel what's going to happen is this is what we're going to see we're going to see Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder fight in March or April we're going to we're going to see Joshua and Dillian White fight uh, a few weeks later or a few weeks before that, and I think Joseph Parker will fight on the undercard of the Joshua fight potentially against Derek Chisora or someone like Jarrell Miller. Um, you know, one of those guys that are sort of in the mix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we spoke to David Higgins last week, uh, uh, sort of a day after that win for Dillian White. He thinks that Dillian White wouldn't be keen for another Joseph Parker rematch. I see no it's too sen- much of a makes no sense no, for Dillian. Exactly, it's a bit of a risk, and you know, and but Chisora on the other hand. Yeah, as you said, a pretty legitimate sort of next option. I think that would be a great one for Joseph to just put himself back out there, get into UK. And just to beat another name, or to beat a named fighter. Like, he's come up short, both as, you know, he he beat Huey Fury, of course, in the UK in in a terrible fight that was no fault of Joseph's. When you've got a guy running from you from 12 rounds, there's not much you can do. Uh, But, you know, it was the the only human being on the planet to go 12 rounds in Anthony Joshua's professional career with with AJ. So I think that's big kudos to him. And he, he made Joshua fight a different type of fight. You don't see Anthony Joshua fight technical and, and look to outpoint a fighter. He tries to knock you out. But in that fight, Joshua was worried about the body punches. He was worried about Parker's power. So, you know, he, he proved to be the better technical fighter on that night and is, probably is a much better technical fighter than, than Joseph Parker, as he proved that night. But, you know, the Dillian White fight, very, very different fight. And as you said, footy, uh, you know, I guess we got we put into context about how good Joseph Parker is. I think he is legitimately in the top five heavyweights in the world. I think you've got your Wilder, your Fury, your White, and Joshua. And I think Parker, you know, your Jarrell Millers, Pavekin, mm, uh, like Ortiz. Yeah, well, Luis Ortiz is a guy that no one wants to fight. Where he ends up next, mm, I don't know, but dangerous. No one wants to fight that guy. So, yeah, I, what I painted out before is, is how I think it, it'll play out. And Joseph Parker could be getting into the title mix by this time next year yeah. again. He just needs to keep winning. Lucas Brown? 
Yeah, if they want to fight in Auckland or in Melbourne and keep it on this side of the world, absolutely. Lucas Brown makes perfect sense. It's a um, it's a high reward, low risk fight for Joseph Parker. I think he's a much better fighter than Lucas Brown. If he avoids the first couple of rounds, he gets the job done. We saw what Dillian White did to Lucas Brown; just absolutely destroyed him uh, very, very easily. It was brutal, and a lot of people feared for for uh, Lucas Brown's life in that fight. He was beaten up so much. So that's a fight that makes sense. And I think if if David Higgins is looking for a New Zealand payday, put that one in Victor Arena or potentially, you know, move it over to Australia, fight in Brisbane, Melbourne, Gold Coast, wherever you want, and, and just build, continue to build Joseph's profile on this side of the world and then look to attack the UK market in, in September, mm. October. That's where you want to be in the, in the, with the current heavyweight climate, don't you? The UK, that's where it's at at the moment. Absolutely. That's the cauldron. So, yeah, as soon as he can get back, the sooner he can get back there, the better. Um, definitely get out of New Zealand as soon as possible. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, that's us for another week. I really hope you enjoyed the show. As I said, uh, thank you to John Morgan. Thank you to Footy, as always. It's thank always you, a pleasure, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. How was your Christmas? Did you get anything good? Uh, I got a few things good. Got some undies. Some undies, got yeah. Got some socks. Those things you never buy yourself. Yeah, yeah, which is actually true. Every year I just get a, a recycled amount of undies. So um, so that's pretty ace. I got some beard oil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got a duvet cover. You know, that saved me a trip to Briscoe, so I often get overwhelmed there. There's way too many patterns. I've been rocking a naked duvet for the last few months. My, my son got a Warriors hat from one of my best friends. So oh, I was, I was what pretty, a legend. I was pretty stoked about that. It's the it's the 25-year uh, anniversary one, so it's got the old original colors on it. So uh, he's pretty stoked with that. Um, and I got a Darth Vader, Darth Vader pajamas. Oh, mate. Yeah. We, we need to see a photo of that. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll gram it. Oh, I'll do it. Yeah. We'll take that. I'm on the Instagram, folks. Dad Bod Brad, check me out. Mm. You know, at Stephen on, B Foot. Yep, at Stephen B Foot, and on Twitter, Brad Lewis NZ Footy. Your Twitter handle at Stephen underscore Foot underscore. Sweet. And for more of the combat sport news, check out newshub.co.nz uh, forward slash sport for that one. Uh, for more on the podcast, you can jump on to the podcast website, uh, which is uh, newshub.co.nz forward slash podcast. Look for the Fight Club link. There's uh, Grove Road there, The Outlook, and Nerds Hub as well. Have you checked, any, have you checked Nerds Hub out? It's I do like good. a bit of Nerds Hub, yeah. yeah those yeah, those yeah. guys go all right. Uh, and uh, also the Facebook page, New Zealand Podcast Chat. Thank you to the band Undercut as well. We'll see you here in one week's time. See you in 2019. Booyah!